Hey, everyone. When you get done listening to the Planet Money podcast, we recommend that you check out Ask Me Another's Holiday Spectacular. I was actually there for the taping of the show, and it is a great one. Holiday food trivia, Christmas song parodies, and, of course, your favorite reindeer word games. You can find Ask Me Another on iTunes, Stitcher, or however you listen to your podcasts. Thanks. Last month, on the 24th floor of an office building right here in Midtown Manhattan, there was something very ordinary and at the same time really strange going on. A guy was pitching his business to a bunch of potential investors. The guy, Anton Haritonov, age 34, had on a brown sport coat, a mop-top haircut. His business, hamburgers in Ukraine. So this is United States, Poland, and Ukraine. Anton runs a chain of American food restaurants in Ukraine called The Loft. He has four restaurants. He'd like to build another 20. So he's flown thousands of miles to this one-day conference called Invest in Ukraine 2014. This is his one chance to make some deals with New York portfolio managers and private equity funds. And it is a tough crowd because the main thing that investors know about Ukraine right now is that it's in the middle of a war with one of the largest superpowers on Earth, Russia. Anton knows this. In fact, he told me he went into this pitch saying to himself, just don't mention the war. Don't mention the war. Everybody is talking about the war, and okay, there is a war, 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 but it's only on small territory. And he did it. You know, he managed to get through the whole pitch, very interesting pitch about his restaurant without mentioning the war, until the Q&A. The first question from a guy in the third row makes it clear that he's pretty worried about rampant inflation in Ukraine right now. Okay. Um, as an example, how much is a hamburger today? Like a lot. How much was a hamburger, la- la- you know, last yeah. year? Can you- That's a good question. <laughs> um, Suddenly, a question that should be straightforward makes everything more uncertain. I, 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 uh, the hamburger in loft uh, costs from, it's hard to say because the currencies. Uh, so the currencies, the exchange rate for the Ukrainian grivna, these rates shift every time Anton checks his phone, which, of course, changes all the inputs and changes the outputs of running a restaurant. And it makes this moment really awkward in the room. It shows the investors that when a country's at war, even if the war is far off on the eastern border, it's hard for a restaurant owner to even predict the cost of his burger from week to week. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Gregory Warner. And I'm Robert Smith. There are lots of reasons why it is crazy to hold an Invest in Ukraine conference right now while they're in the middle of a war. But think of it this way. Invest in Ukraine isn't just the title of a one-day conference. It's in many ways what this whole year of crisis has been about. Western money, Western investment, that, that's the thing that everyone's fighting over. Today on the show, a story of how people like Anton launched a revolution to make Ukraine a better place for investment and ended up provoking a war that's scaring all that investment away. So, Robert, let's just go back before the news cameras of the Russian tanks ever rolled into Ukraine. And that hamburger guy we heard from, Anton Haritonov, he was living in the Ukrainian city of Dnepepetrovsk, and he had a small problem that to him symbolized so much of what was wrong with post-Soviet society. It was that most of the restaurants had these really tiny rooms. Small rooms uh, where you hide from everybody. There are a lot of restaurants like this in Ukraine, and they're for people... Uh, called here Kaznakrats, (laughs) 
those who steal from budget. Kaznakrat, which technically means treasury thief. Like, he says, many of the people that work for the Ukrainian government. Public servants, almost everybody is stealing from budget, so they used to, to go to restaurants where they can hide from everybody and nobody see how they spend their money. You can imagine how frustrating this must have been to the honest, hardworking businessmen of Ukraine. I mean, you go out to dinner at night and you're sitting there eating, knowing that in all these tiny rooms there are public officials exchanging bribes. It was this sort of constant reminder of how corrupt the system is. Now, Anton, of course, couldn't change that system, but he could build a new restaurant. And actually, you can hear it there behind him. It's designed for a different clientele with an open floor plan, a loft space with high ceilings and, and big windows, no place for Kaznokrats to hide. This restaurant grew really popular among the city's business and professional class. Anton built another restaurant for free people, as he says, and another one after that, until he ran up against a bigger problem. He couldn't get a bank loan. Ukrainian banks don't give those kind of loans to restaurants or most entrepreneurs. The one source of capital that Anton could get was one that he really didn't want. He could go to an oligarch, those very wealthy Ukrainians or Russians who profited from the privatization after the fall of the Soviet Union. They had a lot of money, and Anton had gone to one of them before. I took money without considering um, all the other things beside the money. Anton wouldn't quite say what other things he was only later forced to consider, but he did tell me that he learned a lesson. Don't be dependent on just one investor. And even if some rich guy came to him and said, here is the $20 million that you need to expand your chain across Ukraine. No, I would refuse. You know, we don't want to get investments just from one or few persons and then be dependent on their mood. So we want to get money from investment funds. And here in Ukraine, you can uh, count them on fingers from one hand. It turned out that there were a lot of people like Anton thinking about this exact problem, how to bring investors into Ukraine. And a couple of years ago, they came up with what seemed like a solution in the form of a document, an agreement with Europe. Ukraine would say that they would put certain laws in place, make it a safer place for foreign investment, and in return, Europe would trade more with Ukraine. Now, this document was called the Ukraine-European Union Association Agreement. It was really just mostly political. It wasn't that binding. But when the president, Viktor Yanukovych, said he would sign it, that was a really big deal for Western investors who focus on this part of the world. I talked to this economist-slash-business consultant named Alexei Ryabchin, and be forewarned, as someone who puts together business deals on the telephone, he does speak extremely quickly. But he says that when that little document got near the president's pen, his phone started going crazy with investors from London, from Dubai. Give us a project, please. Like, we have a lot of money and you will sign this association agreement. Ukraine will have, like, transparent rules. We will, like, investor will come to the country. Like, please, we have a lot of money, low interest, give us a project. And we, with with our friends, we work in in a renewable sector, in green energy. We were run out of project. I mean, you can hear how excited he was for you know, himself and for his country. Until at the last minute, the president took a meeting with Vladimir Putin, had a change of heart, and decided he would not sign the agreement with Europe. He would make a big energy deal with Russia instead. And that's when Ryabchin's phone stopped ringing. When you shifted to Russia, like, bam, no interest. And say, oh, no, 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 hands off Ukraine. It's fascinating because that act by the president turning from one trade deal, a trade deal with Europe, to another trade deal, a trade deal with Russia. It was that 
decision that sent protesters into the streets. This was last December when thousands of protesters swarmed Independence Square in Kiev, chanting slogans, throwing stones, burning car tires and big piles in the snow. But if you caught this on TV and saw these angry protesters, you might not have been able to see that many of those people in the crowd were professionals. Office workers, bankers, business people, people who had a real economic interest in Ukraine getting more Western investment. And actually, the guys who supplied the tires for the protesters to burn, they were accountants. We were afraid, honestly speaking, because that time we could get about 15 years in prison for that. So I met Andrei Rybienko in a bar in Kiev. By day, he's chief accountant for a European bank branch. But when he was on Independence Square with the protesters, he and his friend Sergei were doing what he calls tire delivery. Deliver. 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 <laughs> Where did you get the tires? You bought the tires? No. <laughs> we just... Uh, uh, it's, not so, it's not so difficult in Kiev, <laughs> as, as, we know, as we know now. For these revolutionary accountants, the goal of the protests was clear. They wanted Western investment. They wanted financial reforms. They wanted a new partnership with Europe. And it looked like it was going to happen. President Yanukovych fled the country, and then Vladimir Putin invaded Crimea. And by November, when I arrived in midtown Manhattan for the Invest in Ukraine conference, this was a long way from those heady post-revolutionary days. Russian troops had already been stomping around eastern Ukraine for eight months, and that Western investment that Ukraine had hoped for had not shown up. So I arrived at this office building on 6th Avenue in New York. I get into the elevator, and the first guy I meet is this waiter in an embroidered peasant shirt. So what is this that you have here? That, the cabbage rolls. Cabbage rolls. Okay, good. It's bubbling even. We're... Yeah. They're trying to set a mood. I mean, you could think of this whole conference as a kind of financial speed dating event. You have two groups of people checking each other out. Up at the front of the room, the Ukrainians saying, hey, have a cabbage roll. Don't worry about the war. There's lots of opportunities in Ukraine. And then you have the investors, the people with money, who are saying... Actually, you know, a war with Russia is kind of a deal-breaker. Investors like Joe Garrity. He works for a consulting and recruiting business called Salem. Our clients, who are primarily large financial institutions, are very risk-averse. And obviously what Russia's doing in here, eastern Ukraine and Crimea, obviously that's a huge risk. So I think that's another business risk that gets weighed into the formula on whether or not you'd, you'd want to invest. But we see opportunity... But the opportunity that Garrity lays out for me is not an investment in Ukraine. It's actually a plan to move operations to Poland and then take their Ukrainian employees with them. So grab those really educated Ukrainians and move them to Warsaw. That's one strategy. Just kind of take the Ukrainians out of Ukraine. (laughs) Until it stabilizes. An engineered brain drain, of course, is not the strategy that the Invest in Ukraine 2014 conference is trying to promote. Outside the conference, I meet Natalia Stelmach. She's a technology entrepreneur, here more as a Ukrainian booster. She's checking Facebook on her phone. Because every morning you open your Facebook and you see in your newsfeed someone get killed. And so you can imagine, you know, she's, she's reading these stories and then she's going to kind of pitch Ukraine. And it's hard. She's been to all these investment conferences in, in Cannes and Stockholm. In fact, before this New York 
tour, there was an Invest in Ukraine London and Invest in Ukraine Frankfurt. And it was just so depressing because everybody was like, Ukraine, are you kidding me? I'm not going to invest in Ukraine. Nobody wanted to invest in Ukraine. And the whole world is now afraid of the Third World War and of Putin going for us. This is what Putin wants. He wants everybody to get scared to run away from Ukraine. And this theory I hear from a lot of people here, that the reason that Putin started this war in eastern Ukraine is not land grabbing. It's to scare away the Western investors, the very investors that were supposed to be Ukraine's, you know, saving grace. And remember, the revolution was not just aimed at Russia. It was not just mainly a screw you to Vladimir Putin. The revolution was fueled by a dream, a dream of reforming the system so that billions of dollars of investment could flow into Ukraine. So there could be this new golden age of business. And yet all apparently President Putin has to do is just show up, you know, send some troops. And then every investment decision in Ukraine is suddenly revolving around what he's going to do next. He is the downside risk that every investor here is talking about. And he's kind of inserted himself into the conversation. And in a weird way, what what Anton, the hamburger guy and everyone else here is looking for is an investor or multiple investors who are willing to stand up to Vladimir Putin. Now, you remember the guy that raised his hand and asked that question that Anton couldn't answer, the one about inflation and the cost of a burger? Um, as an example, how much is a hamburger today? How much is a, was a hamburger la, la, you know, last year? That guy asking the question might be one of the few investors here who is not scared off by the Russian tanks. His name is Stephen Balanskas. He is portfolio manager at Empire State Capital Partners is actually based in Kiev. We are, we are, you know, you can hear him kind of struggling to frame what he does for his clients. People who are interested in high risk, high return type of vehicles. The reason Stephen is, is a little bit shy about explaining what he does for a living is that he specializes in investing in places that are distressed, that are at war, and that are well, a little bit desperate. Stephen is what some people use a kind of bad name for, a vulture investor. Um, that is, uh, when things go bad, you have these people come in, sw- you know, swoop in like vultures and, and, and grab things, at, you know, 20 cents in the dollar, 10 cents in the dollar. And you and my goodness, what a bunch of vultures, okay? And, and I have appreciated more, after not seeing doing this for 20 years, that um, investors like me when they go into distrust markets like Ukraine, actually play a big role. And there are two ways to look at this role. If you use the term vulture investor, if you're critical of them, it looks like somebody who's going into a war zone and buying up things cheap. But the other way you could look at this big role is that he is predicting the bottom. He is figuring out when things are at their very worst and showing a hope that things will actually improve. Injecting capital that Ukrainian businesses need, especially at that moment. Would you rather be looking seriously at Ukraine now, today, or or last year, or the year before? This is the best time ever. (laughs) Ukraine has a lot of potential. Now, Stephen decided not to invest directly in Anton's burger chain, but not because of Anton's pitch or because of the question he asked. It was only because Anton's burger chain is actually too small. The kind of investment that Stephen's looking for is more like buying stock in a whole sector of the Ukrainian economy. And this moment, the moment when the vulture investors come in, when they basically sniff blood and buy up businesses and sectors, this has a long historical tradition. Think about the American Revolution. 
much like in Ukraine. It was a revolution against a sort of elite, unfair economic system. And when things were at their worst, when the American colonists were at war, essentially they looked to the French for investment. The French were the early vulture investors who swooped in and gave money to the colonists when they needed it the most, when they didn't know how the war would work out, how the country would do. And so for a lot of Ukrainians, Stephen is exactly the sort of investor that they want right now, one with a stomach for conflict. In fact, when I talked to Anton, the restaurateur, he said he'd love a vulture right now. If somebody will want to invest me now when it's cheaper to invest in our restaurants than in one, uh, than in one or two years later, then I will be very glad. He is not, though, banking on gladness. Because most of those New York investors that he did speak to after his hamburger pitch said, you know, good job, but we can't even think about investing in Ukraine for at least another six months because they need to see what happens with Russia and the war and the promised government reforms. And so because Anton wants to build his next restaurant, because he wants to keep expanding, he is doing something that he vowed he would never do. He is taking a loan from an oligarch. Though not, he says, a big scary one. Yes, yes, he is a small oligarch here and, and he borrowed us money through his bank. He had a bank. No, what? Now it's harder because his bank is bankrupted. <laughs> but still, it's possible. And still, the West is possible. Anton hasn't given up. The next Invest in Ukraine conference is in Hong Kong next year, and Anton will be there to pitch his story. If you want to let us know what you think about today's show, don't just grumble it to a friend. You should really write. PlanetMoney at npr.org. Or you can find us on Twitter at PlanetMoney. I want to thank some people that helped me safely and successfully speak to a lot of the people that we've heard on this podcast. They include Yuri Orlov, Marina Mamedova, Andy Ignatov, Corey Ego, and of course, Fia Benin, who produced this show. Oh, and a special thanks to Didi Skenke and Edith Chapin, editors on NPR's International Desk. And since you have finished this episode of Planet Money, NPR recommends that you check out Ask Me Another's Holiday Spectacular. You can find Ask Me Another on iTunes, Stitcher, or however you listen to podcasts. I'm Robert Smith. I'm Gregory Warner. Thanks for listening.